Welcome to Disambiguation. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. Each week, we interview experts in AI, generative AI, and business automation to help business leaders understand how to use these tools for the biggest business impact. In our show today, we look at generative AI for retail. This is the second episode in a series, AI for Industry Verticals. More to come on that uh, early next year. I'm joined today by Ali Hanyalo Lu, and um, welcome, uh, welcome, Ali. Great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, good, good first try on my last name there. <laughs> hey, you know, it's uh, I had to practice a bit there. Um, <laughs> so w- before we get into the questions, and I got a lot of things that I, I'm really curious about uh, from an AI for retail perspective, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Ampliance? Yeah, for sure. So I've been at Ampliance now for uh, just over a year um, as we do this, and I lead the product marketing team at Ampliant. So the role of myself and my team is that we essentially bring the story of Ampliance's products and solutions to life in the market. As we release new products and new capabilities, we make sure that how we are talking about them in the market is relevant, actionable, and measurable for the, for the customers that we speak to. Great. Thanks. Um, so just to get started, why don't we we start out with a bit of an overview of the types of use cases that you see for generative AI and retail, just to give us a bit of a backdrop. Yeah, for sure. So I think when it comes to generative AI and retail, right away, what comes to mind is just content generation, right? That's going to be the immediate obvious one that we will think about. But there are actually other areas, too, where Gen AI will be able to help out. There'll be things that are considered maybe more mundane tasks that need to happen around the content that we're generating. Making sure it's SEO friendly, for example, is something that can really help out there. Making sure it's accessible to those who have visual and motion disabilities and but yet still need to interact with that content. Um, and then in just ensuring things like governance is put in place. And that's everything from ensuring that the content follows a brand tone of voice to following with local regulations as well. That will be true, not just for text-based content, but more and more so for images and even video and 3D in the near future as well. Great. So that that actually leads me into something that I, I've heard a little about and I'm curious about. And and obviously marketing content, you know, there's a there's an opportunity there for dynamic uh, creation. But but the place where I thought this is really interesting is in the product description, uh, and maybe even you mentioned images. So also maybe in the images. Um, so how you know how is generative AI? You, how can you use it there to make the shopping experience more personal? Um, yeah, or should we say more relevant, right? More or relevant. compelling, yeah. more compelling like as well. Yeah. You know, um, even though technologies have been around to help with respect to content really pertaining to the products, you know, everything from the name to the description to washing instructions and so on and so forth, um, there's still work that needs to be done there. There are still gaps. I look at brand and retail product description pages out there. And frankly, many of them still leave a lot to be left to be decided. Um, I'm seeing things like just very short descriptions that really don't tell me much. I'm seeing things like um, product codes or internal tracking codes slipping through into content. Um, but the reality is, is that if you look at things from a buyer's perspective and the actual shopping experience, we are influenced more and more by that 
product actually telling me a story about itself. Mm-hmm. And that's everything from how a brand values in you know part of the product that I am buying. What will my experience actually be with the product from the moment I click add to cart to buy to get it in my hands to actually using it? Um, is it being written in a way that is not just relevant to me, but also reflects, you know, my personality and what I'm looking for. These aspects today, I think I still need to be worked on a lot more, but they're really hard to do, especially as Mm. products get more, product catalogs get bigger, but also as the amount of competition out there grows as well. Um, And so I feel like that, that's, that's something whereby, Technologies like Gen AI can help bring the story of that product to life when we get to that product description page um, and looking at things like product descriptions and what have you. That also means the images too um, that are associated with that. Too many times, you know, we'll just see one image of a product on a white background, right? We'll see a lot of that. And that, that may be fine. That may be okay. But in many cases, I need to be able to see that product in context. So backgrounds for that image, setting that it's in, how it's being used, uh, 3D interactions. And today to be able to create all of those is a lengthy and expensive process. Mm. Um, You and I are photographers on the side. We would love to be able to have those opportunities to shoot a product in every single situation that's possible. Absolutely. <laughs> Sign me up for that. about money. That's money. <laughs> but the reality is that that's probably not going to happen, or it hasn't been able to be possible today. But, you know, I'm here in, in New England, in the States. Um, apparently, it's snowing outside right now. I didn't see that myself earlier. But if I want to buy a product, show it to me in my context. If you show me a product on a beach in Miami with palm trees, they're, you know what, beautiful, lovely, not relevant to me, unfortunately. Um, so um, these are all aspects of the the product description, the product information that will benefit from Gen AI that goes beyond just simple title skew and short description. I mean, it, it seems to me, too, that um, there's a lot of behavioral data that you have, um, you know, as a, a, a as an online shopper, I leave breadcrumbs all over the place, right? I mean, even simple things like, uh, oh, I keep clicking on the blue sweaters instead of the, the black ones or whatever, right? I mean, so it seems like that could really be an opportunity there for some dynamic personalization that really does almost get to individualization. Yeah, that's true. So I see two aspects of that. One is if we look just purely at personalization as we've known it today, um, and which has been around for a long time and started off with simple rules and, and now is using machine learning and deep learning and other techniques. But that's a case of a technology identifying who I am, putting me in a box, essentially, and then matching that box to certain types of content. Now, there's, there's lots of challenges with that, which would probably be another episode for you, Michael, in terms <laughs> of that particular topic. Mm-hmm. But it's been a struggle for many brands and retailers today because, A, the ability to get enough relevant data about your customers is getting harder and harder to do, mm-hmm. um, especially as we are interacting with brands and retailers through a mobile device more and more. Sure. Um, and secondly, there hasn't been enough content 
to be able to deliver that level of personalization. And so they, they tend to struggle and you tend to put into more general buckets. That's one area that can be addressed for sure, making sure that there is enough content for personalization engines or insight engines, as as they're sometimes Mm -hmm. called, to be able to not just make a decision about who we are, but have enough content to pull from that is relevant at that particular moment in time. Mm -hmm. But there's another angle to this and why Gen Gen AI is going to come in, which is we are being influenced by contextual factors more than ever in the decisions that we make when we buy products, both as individual consumers, but at a business level as well. Those contextual factors, in some cases, are known. Availability, inventory, the product catalog, the information that we just talked about, um, things like that. But then there are more and more unpredictable and unknown contextual factors that are influencing decisions. Things like, a a cargo ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal as happened last year. No one saw that coming, especially not the brands who have products on that cargo ship and every other cargo ship that was stuck behind it. Now, all of a sudden, they have to respond and react to that. And as a buyer or shopper, if I'm going to a website and I just see unavailable, that's frustrating. If I go in and think it's available, but then I find out all they've got is extra small for that particular product, Equally frustrating. Uh, Email to be notified. What does that mean? So today, in order to stand out, brands and retailers actually need to generate content that reflects that particular contextual factor. And it goes on from there, weather, social media happenings, movies that are going on and responding to that. It's not necessarily personalized. It just needs to happen very quickly from a content perspective. That, I mean, I think that's really interesting because from a from the standpoint of um, you know of your uh, ability to build that customer experience, you you know you're you're really looking at um, uh, th- there's a lot of little frustrations that create friction barriers, right? And I, and I, you know, that one happens to me a lot. The, um, leave me an email to be on the waiting list. Like, I don't want your product that much. Like I, (laughs) I I might've wanted it that much before I saw that, but, but I mean, that that's like, it is very frustrating. So if you could actually generate enough, uh, of a story that makes me understand why that is, I mean, like you said, that's a great example of, oh, it's stuck in the Suez Canal and they won't be here for another month. I mean, yeah. okay, I would accept that. That that's that's not an unreasonable explanation. Exactly. Um, exactly. So so I think that's a great example. So do you have any other examples of how generative AI really is being used in this uh, level of personalization? Um, in terms of personalization, I think another area that's going to be applied is actually more in terms of things like recommendations, um, as well. So today we have technologies that are around product recommendations, you know, I'm searching for something and it says, you know, Hey, here's what we think you wanted based on what you entered here. And here are some related things, or I'm on a product description page for a particular product. Here are the things we recommend that are related to that. The, mm. the the intent there is basically to grow the the average car value, right, and essentially right. Um, get a get a higher revenue from a customer, which is great. Um, the thing is, is that a lot of those recommendations are working fine, but the the way that we do that is typically through search, mm. and search we've been trained as human beings to search everywhere, like we do on Google. 
which is we just throw in a few words. Right. And where Gen AI gets really interesting when it comes to personalization recommendations is when we are actually start having a conversation with the technology. Mm. And it goes from uh, red shoes this size to um, I'm going to a company event and I would like to be able to wear something that is appropriate for this particular venue. Mm. That would be something that I may type in and say. Mm. And so that's where things get really interesting because now what's happening is we aren't just giving you a list of related products that either through rules or AI have been given to you. Right. You may actually be including content, different assets based on that particular recommendation. So the product recommendation may be the same, but maybe the background for that particular product is different. Mm. Maybe as well as giving me a product recommendation, it's also got some other articles about how to best use that product, where to use it, and so on. Mm. Well, I think from that perspective, recommendations that are personalized to what I'm trying to do, the amount of information that I'm actually going to present it is not only going to grow, but actually be even more relevant to what I'm trying to yeah. do. I mean, that really does change the experience with recommendation engines if you can start to have that dialogue. Like, like I, I, you know, I've been using a lot of different generative AI tools for the last year, and I know a lot of people are. And part, for me, part of that was just education, right, so I could learn how to talk about it. Sure. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, nine times out of ten, when I would have gone to Google, I don't anymore. I go to one of these other tools because even though I can search Google and I'm pretty good at it, I mean, I've been doing it for a very long time. I, it's just not the same experience. I get a much better response um, by going into that generative AI tool, whichever one I might choose and being able to provide a lot more context that in fact would make the Google search not work. Exactly. Right. It would it would actually mislead the Google search, but in the context of a of a of a GPT, you know, interaction, it does help. So so it sounds like what you're saying there is that the recommendation engine really does transform from what it used to be in the kind of traditional rules-based world to something that's quite different and, and is much more conversational and interactive. Correct. And I think the other thing that's going to happen with um, all of those different tools is that they will need mm -hmm. to be able to have um, context and understanding of the industry or category or vertical that they are part of as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be uh, something else that's going to be absolutely key for this kind of technology to actually be successful. Um, mm -hmm. They're taking a generic pro approach to things irrespective of what industry you're in we're going to have the same problems that we had before with personalization, which is, like you said, with this, there's going to be context that will be just completely missed and there'll be wrong answers given. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the this move away <clears throat> from uh, context, uh, you know, adding context versus this kind of segmentation that we used to do that puts individuals in very large groups and it's really difficult to narrow that down more. But the more you can narrow that down, the more relevant it is to me, the more likely I am to be engaged with your brand and exactly. continue to do that, right? Yeah, exactly. that, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, so I, I'm also curious about maybe some of the other back-end pieces of the use of generative AI in, in um, you know, in retail and e-commerce. Like, it seems to me that uh, perhaps it could be applied to things like demand forecasting or 
um, you know, ways to change the traditional way of forecasting demand, perhaps to be more accurate. Is that something that you guys have looked at or, or something that you're seeing? Um, in talking with others, I am starting to see, like you said, the question being asked of how do we bring Gen AI into, into the back office, as it were. Demand forecasting is an interesting one. Um, demand forecasting has already been using AI for a while, um, but it's been typically using machine learning in order to better predict um, certain outcomes. Um, so you need to be able to give it uh, a certain outcome. And in many cases, it needs historical data in order to yeah. work. Um, somebody who I used to work with, who was uh, definitely a technical leader in the AI space, used to say something around the lines of, um, AI is really good at telling you what's happened. It's actually not very good at telling you what's going to come. Um, and, and what it's really doing is just making a best guess based on the data that it's got. Uh, it's a mathematical best, best guess. Um, I won't debate that. They were far more technical than me, but mm. I can understand that because, it's again, it's based on historical data. And that's why a lot of those technologies had a, had a what they call a cold start problem, which is they had right. to ramp up to get enough data in order to make predictions that were more accurate of overall. Mm. What Gen AI is going? Sorry, um, what Gen AI? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say a lot of variables that that actually have to be dealt with yes. there if you're in that old sort of historical view. Yeah, that, yes, that actually makes exactly. a lot of sense. Exactly. There are a lot of, and that's where some of the Gen AI technology, I think, is going to make things much more interesting. Um, first of all, with just the way that LLMs work, being based on, on vectors and graphs and so on, right. um, you're actually going to have more and more data points and be able to make relationships and connections to them yeah. as well, which will help with the ability for um, demand or just any, any general forecasting technology to be able to um give better results um faster and with a greater data set mm -hmm. um it's also going to open up the ability for users to be able to interact with these demand forecasting mm -hmm. uh, engines in new ways so doing things like taking into account those contextual factors i talked about mm -hmm. um so you know and then being able to rather than having to be a, a a, a, a data science wizard um, to be able to do this is actually ask questions through natural prompts, uh, natural language prompts, to be able to get answers that demand forecasting can help with. Hmm. Um, that will go beyond just optimization against metrics. Yeah. So, so once again, the the application of the Gen AI tool also helps in that just in the user experience from the tool perspective or the UI perspective, right? It makes it conversational and more natural, which means that I don't have to have that level of, of uh, data science uh, available at that point in the process. Certainly it's used earlier in the process, Absolutely. I'm sure, to build the tool. But but once you once you're to that point, you're actually having a conversation with the tool. Uh, and and I've seen that in some other industry applications and other just applications of Gen AI. And you know, for, so that makes that makes sense that it could really um, almost democratize the capability to do that demand That's... forecasting across a broader set of users. Exactly. If if Gen AI as a technology is doing one thing, it's exactly that. It is democratizing the availability of AI 
and and what we can do in our skill sets and in, in, in as individuals. Um, it's that's the part that's really exciting to me is that democratization. Yeah, I that I agree that that certainly stands out almost every time I take a look at use cases. So so we were kind of looking behind the scenes a bit for demand. So that kind of makes me think of a, another part of the problem or um, something that we've talked about a lot over the last you know four years of of almost of pandemic life, uh, and that's the supply chain and, and the inventory. And we hinted a little bit at that early when we were talking about, you know, availability, that sort of thing. But but is there a role for generative AI in that whole supply chain optimization uh, area, inventory management and supply chain optimization? I believe that there will be. Um, some of it you could say is like we talked about before, which is supply chain should be influencing the experience that we mm. have um so that it is continuously positive um or as positive as can be um that way a customer is more likely to want to stay to buy to buy more to come back and so on Mm -hmm. um so i think what's going to happen is that they have their specialties but there's going to be a greater uh, coupling between these as well for, uh, for sure um and um then supply chain can then just actually start to become um, almost a means to be able to make recommendations to those who are managing and in charge mm. of the experience as well. Mm. Um, and so being able to react quick enough to what is happening, um, if supply chain is seeing challenges with respect to, I don't know, uh, let's say a product is being returned heavily. Um, mm. So, you know, at that particular end of, of things as well, um, how do you handle that? Not just in terms of dealing with the returns and the inventory from a process right. perspective, but then also ensuring that the content that you provide is maybe there's a gap in there that needs to be addressed quickly that would then minimize mm. the returns. You see where I'm hmm. going with that? Yeah. So, but, so like I, the, the instructions are wrong. I mean, that's, that's kind of blunt and simple, but, but I mean, maybe that, maybe I'm just not, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do whatever it is I wanted the thing to do. And that's why it's being returned. Wow. That's, yes. that's actually really interesting. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, and that obviously goes into support as well. And, and maybe even to back into product because you're, you know, you're talking about also being able to identify flaws or weaknesses or whatever. Exactly. That be exactly. Wow. So feeding into PLM, feeding into uh, customer support and the knowledge base that goes on there, feeding into what happens on the e-commerce side and on the website and the mobile devices. You start to see how these things start to talk to each other through the medium of Gen AI. Right. I mean, it really does. And this, I don't know that I've, I've, I've certainly talked a lot about experience and customer experience in other contexts with, with Gen AI, but I'm not sure until now that this sort of crystallized that idea that, in fact, what, what this creates is the capability to communicate in a more natural, effective way with your customer uh, by providing them more of that backstory, context, narrative, whatever the, the right words are, depending on what it is, I guess. Um, and that's something that's very different, I think, than what most online experiences are today. You know, think about a great experience that, that you've had um, in store with a human being. Mm-hmm. There's probably lots of great examples you and, and your mm-hmm. listeners will have. Sure. And I asked the question, what if we could bring that great experience into a digital world as well? So 
you know, I think about, I want to buy a suit, let's say. I go to a local store because obviously I want something I have to try out. Mm. And I find one, I'm like, I really like this jacket. But I can't find it in my size. Mm. You go to the rep who's there. The rep that says, no, sorry, we don't have it. Everything we got is on the show floor. He'll probably be like, all right, thanks, bye. You're out the door. Right. The rep that <laughs> right. says, you know what, let me just check. They go and check, and they're like, actually, you know what? Our sister store, just a 15-minute drive away, yeah. has, the, has the size you want. If you want, I'll call them right now. I'll put it on hold for you. You can head over. It's yours. Or yeah. they'll be like, you know what? We don't actually have that size. But here we do it in this one in your size. And as you can see, it's only different in this little way. And it's, it's mm. actually $10 cheaper. I'm just making this up, of course. Yeah, no, no. But I mean, but that's exactly right. Yeah. But we took yeah. granted. We haven't seen those in the digital world yet, really. Mm-mm. And that's where I think this is going to be able to be enabled. Brands and retailers yeah. need to have enough content so that the, the decision making engines can actually pull those recommendations as necessary. So, and that's everything, not again, like I said before, not just from product recommendations, but from the perspective of, Oh, that's how I have to take care of my suit. It's not really what I was looking for. Can I have something else? You know, that's content. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's associated yeah, with that. So I see that's what ultimately the ones who are going to win with Gen AI are the ones who are going to be able to leverage it to be able to provide that kind of shopping experience mm-hmm. that we're all looking to achieve. Yeah, in some ways, I mean, it, it, this this reminds me of my days at, at G two building out, you know, the review site and and how we, you know, wanted to help buy uh, software buyers learn more because that was really the benefit, and that's what we learned from the buyers is they would go through and pour over those reviews in detail uh, because they wanted to figure out is this really going to be a good fit for me, you know, beyond the marketing material, but mm-hmm. but tell me the rest of it and. And that data, um, and and now actually G2 has a, a bot that sits there that will interact with you in that natural way to help you get to that data. I mean, it's it's almost the same thing here that you now have this way to naturally interact with your store and an experience that is easier to tailor and to be uh, natural like you would if you were just standing in a store talking to somebody. That, and that's something we could never do online before. We 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 haven't been able to. We we could, but we could never do it quickly enough, and we never had enough content and assets and information and data to be able to de- execute on it. Mm. That's been the challenge. We need to be able to do this quickly, and we need to be able to do it at volume as well. And, and dynamically, right? So it, it has to and be able to scale, and it's dynamic. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the real twist there is how can I make this respond to a, an interaction in real time? That's, exactly. That's exactly. not easy. No, it's not easy. And even today with the current mm-hmm. uh, Gen AI technologies that we've got, it's actually really hard to do it in real time. Um, mm-hmm. It's really not possible now because there is processing that is happening. But I'm hearing every week about how um, AI is going to shift to the endpoint. And we already have neural processing units and other dedicated AI chips and functionality in our mobile phones, mm-hmm. never mind a, a high-end laptop. Once, once the, the smart, intelligent engineers out there figure out how to leverage that endpoint processing to be able to uh, deliver on that mm-hmm. dynamic um, experience, 
that's when things will start moving to BB in real time. Hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, I just, <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, even just in using, using it on my phone, I mean, I, I, I do that much more, um, you know, now because I can use tools like ChatGPT and Perplexity and others on the phone in a, in a, in a much more natural way than that I would have been able to. And honestly, you know, it can provide a, an assistant that is really an assistant, not, you know, not this kind of rules-based thing that we've seen in the past. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So that, that sort of leads me to the other end of the of the customer journey then. And I'm curious about here, and, and obviously, you know, we've done some research and I've had some good conversations around using Gen AI and support in general. But I'm, I'm just thinking, how do you see this applying to the, the customer service piece in the online e-commerce world? Uh, to the customer service piece for e-commerce, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, so, uh, this is, chat's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, we know that, uh, it's been in the past primarily rules-based. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever had to implement rules for a chat-based system on your website, I sympathize with you because I know it's not easy. Um, and, and, and essentially as the amount of content grows, um, as well as the types of questions, you need to factor that in. Mm -hmm. So AI has been used to help uh, identify answers that can uh, be as relevant as possible to the question that's being posed. But to our previous point, much like search, there are still things that happen like false positives or I'm sorry, I don't understand your question and things like that that happen. Um, which is why you know we often hear people say, "Can I just talk to a human being, please?" <laughs> um, because the, if the feeling is, if I talk to a human, then I'm going to get to my answer, um, right. and so I, and then that way I can also elaborate or not as much mm -hmm. as I want to with yeah. the question or challenge that I've got. Um, I think Gen AI is going to revolutionize that particular space, both from a uh, customer perspective. In terms of now, I don't have to be rigidly set with a preset that defined set of answers or use a very, you know, search like I'm just going to give a few words, whereas I can now have a conversation. Yeah. Um, I believe also it's going to um, help the human beings behind that as well. Yeah. What they will be able to do is they're going to be facing a larger and diverse um, set of questions from their customers. And uh, for those of you who've been in the customer service space, you know, in many cases, the answer doesn't exist. And so they will have some kind of process to be able to kick off either generating an article for a knowledge base based on that um, a question that can't be answered yet, or diverting to a community forum and looking for peer-to-peer -peer help. Um, I actually see Gen AI helping customer service reps based on their diagnostics actually come up with content at that moment it's being yeah. asked for yep. um, and that way not only will they get an answer that will help that customer at the moment in time but it will help their peers and their future customers yeah. as well because they've got an answer they just generated rather than waiting so yeah i've looked at a couple of i've looked at a couple of crm systems recently that are doing exactly that right it's yep. the assistant for the service so it, it actually takes the chatbot behind the scenes and gives the chatbot assistance to the agent as well as 
you know, having it up front to handle certain simple things. So that's, exactly. that's, that's powerful. Um, and, and this idea of intelligent chatbots, I think is really exciting because certainly none of us have enjoyed inter interacting with not intelligent uh, chatbots. In exactly. And, and it's, and it goes beyond that because customer service is typically seen as a silo mm. from the rest of the e-commerce experience. Yeah. And from a customer perspective, it's all the same thing. So I question brands and retailers. I ask them, like, do you have content that is both applicable to the e-commerce experience as well as the customer service experience? Because you should be leveraging them for both. Because if they look and feel different, your customer does not have a good experience. They're going to feel like they're talking yeah. to two different companies. Yeah. And so there is an opportunity there to generate and have enough content that can be um, atomized in a way that it can be leveraged easily across every touch point that a customer has with you. Because at the end of the day, it's one experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been one of the biggest challenges and survey after survey, you know, I, I get that feedback from, from, uh, from customers saying that, you know, it feels a completely different experience on one end of the journey than it is on the other. And that's, um, that's a quick way to 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 tarnish a brand or lose Absolutely. a customer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Well, so we're we're running out of time and I, I could definitely keep going and I'm I'm sure um we had a lot more interesting things we could talk about, but but I suspect that at some point uh, uh listeners are gonna start to drop off or drop off to sleep or something. Um so why don't we get to uh to to my uh my last bit because there's one thing that I like to ask every guest. Um, and, and I, and I, and I feel like, you know, I get feedback from the, from the listeners. A lot of times they, they say they really appreciate this, but could you recommend someone, you know, a thought leader, an author, a mentor, somebody's influenced your career and you think would be relevant for, for the audience? Um, I'm going to give two, if I may, one this started Absolutely. early in my career and one more recently. So my entrepreneurial hero is Sir Richard Branson. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a couple of things that he's famous for that really stuck with me, which is, uh, he is the one who's attributed to saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that's always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, the other thing he's talked about a lot is he says that, uh, you know, there's a saying that says that the customer comes first. And he will say, no, they don't. The employee comes first. Yeah. Take care of your employees and they will take care of your customers for you. Yep. Um, and so that's something that's also stuck with me in my career. Mm. But more recently, somebody's had a sort of an, a profound effect on me um, is Jeff Hawkins. Uh, he authored a book called A Thousand Brains hmm. um, that I highly recommend uh, reading. It really changed me in re recently in terms of how I look at the world around me. Mm. It's, a, it's a theory of intelligence in the human brain. And it starts off with that new theory about what does intelligence mean and how does it biologically work with humans. But then he maps that to artificial intelligence as well. Mm. And why it's actually, that's what I say, AI is actually not very intelligent. Um, <laughs> but then also looking to a future where human intelligence and artificial intelligence will come together and will be better off as a result. Mm. Fantastic book. Um, yeah. I highly recommend it. It makes me think about what I say and do as a human being. It's that profound. 
Wow. I mean, that a great recommendation. I really appreciate that. And that's definitely going on my, uh, my reading list. Cause I, uh, I think that sounds like something that's extremely appropriate for where we are these days. Right. Absolutely. Great. Well, Ali, I really appreciate you joining today. Really interesting conversation. So um, thank you very much. Oh, it's great to be here. It's great to talk to you, Michael. Thanks a lot. And that's the show for this week. Thank you all for joining. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And for more on AI and other software research reports and posts, check out the arianresearch.com slash blog and slash research reports. And don't forget to join us next week. I'm Michael Fawcett, and this is the Disambiguation Podcast.